Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Big run. He's at the 40, 35, 30, 20, and he's inside the red zone. He's trekked down from behind, down to the 19-yard line. We're talking Colts and recapping the action. 10, the 5, a touchdown for the Colts. How about an Indianapolis scores on a block punt? Settles in, floats it downfield, and it is picked off by the Colts. They're running the other way with it inside the 30-yard line, and it's Shaq Leonard. Now here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Good evening and welcome to Colts Roundtable Live again, presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. We're busy tonight with you until 7 o'clock, unpacking the Colts' win over the weekend. The Colts knocked off the Texans on Sunday, 31-20 to to even their record at 1-1 one and one, and snapped an eight-game losing skid for the Colts dating back to last season. The Colts are even through two games for the first time since 2019, and they have a share of the AFC South lead with Jacksonville and Tennessee. The Colts exploded offensively in the first half, scoring 28 points in the first two quarters, which is the most by an NFL team this season. They blitzed out to an early 14-0 lead as Anthony Richardson capped off the first drive of the game with an 18-yard rushing touchdown. The defense then recovered a strip sack on Houston's first drive, and the very next play, Richardson again ran in his second touchdown of the first quarter from 15 yards out to put the Colts up big early. However, Richardson would leave the game in the first half after he self-reported concussion symptoms and informed the team he just wasn't feeling right. He's now in the NFL's concussion protocol this week. But before he left, Richardson became the first Colts rookie quarterback to rush for a touchdown in each of his first two games. He's also the first Colts player to log two rushing scores in the opening quarter since Edron James in 1999. And he and Dante Culpepper and Jack Thompson are the only quarterbacks in NFL history with three-plus rushing touchdowns in their first two career games. Coming off the bench, veteran Gardner Minshew took over the Colts' offense and played incredibly well. He completed 19 of 23 passes. That's 83% for 174 yards with a touchdown and engineered scoring drives on his first three possessions. The Colts' running game was much better in Week 2 compared to the opening game of the season as the team ran for 126 yards on 23 carries, including 18 for 88 and a touchdown from Zach Moss, who was the only Colts running back to carry the ball on Saturday. Kylan Granson was the only pass catcher to find the end zone on Sunday for the Colts. That came late in the first half as he put the Colts up 28-10 to right before halftime, and it was his first career touchdown. The defense played awesome for the second straight week. They sacked Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud six times. They had a takeaway that led to that score and held the Texans to just 52 yards rushing, which are the fewest by a Colts opponent since week four of the 2021 season at Miami. Linebacker Zaire Franklin racked up a team-high 13 tackles. He now has 31 stops on the season, which are the most tackles ever recorded by a Colts player through their first two games of a season. Colts stay on the road coming up in week three, and now they get ready for a stiff test coming up this weekend as they take on the 2-0 Baltimore Ravens, who knocked off the Bengals on the road in week two. 
As we said, a very busy show tonight. We'll recap the Colts Week 2 game in more detail coming up with Colts analysts Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. We're also taking your questions tonight on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights. Also tweet in those questions for head coach Shane Steichen. You can uh, do that using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Again, hashtag Colts Roundtable, and we'll squeeze in as many as we can tonight. But as always, we lead off the show our weekly conversation with head coach Shane Steichen, presented by Citizens Energy Group. Coach, congratulations on the win. Win number one as the head coach with the Indianapolis Colts. What was that feeling like in the locker room? You got the game ball from DeForest Buckner. What kind of emotions did you have at that moment? Shoot, it was, it was awesome. Uh, just all the hard work that's went into this thing. And we all know it's it's really hard to win in this league. Um, but to get the first one uh, was great. And a, a credit to, you know, the players and the coaches and the organization. Mm-hmm. Um putting in the work you know and, and those guys deserve a lot of the credit obviously the ones out there making the play so yeah um it was really good it was a really good team win i always like asking coaches this question i mean as long as you've been doing this how long can you let a win feel good like what do you allow yourself to how long do you allow yourself to enjoy it um myself personally probably about three out four hours and that's then, it yeah and that's on to the next one it's a it's a it's a long season and you got to get your mind right for the next yeah. opponent yeah there's no, there's no doubt about that you're yeah. exactly right all right as we know anthony richardson he started the game played very well before exiting the game uh, we'll talk about you know his health situation in just a second but in, in his limited time on sunday where did you see improvement week one to game two Gosh, you know, he started off hot, you know, throwing the football. He was efficient throwing the football. And then, you know, to create the two big touchdown runs. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the first one was a nice nice play, well blocked by the offensive line, and then good job by him seeing it. And then the next one, great job by the defense getting that sack fumble mm-hmm. uh, to put our offense in, you know, position to go make the next play. And it's a heck of a play by everybody on offense uh, on the second touchdown, but uh, really efficient uh, the way he played. Right, Shane Steigen with us here on Colts Roundtable Live tonight. Again, I know you addressed the media earlier today, but for this audience, uh, do you have any updates status-wise or health-wise with Anthony Richardson? I know he's in the concussion protocol, but anything uh, updated other than that? Uh, yeah, he's in the protocol. Um, he's feeling good, uh, but he's in the protocol for now, and just you know, we'll rely on the training staff sure. uh, going forward. Meanwhile, Gardner Minshew came in in the second half, or I should say in the second quarter, and the offense didn't miss a beat. They put up 28 points in the first half offensively. Just how impressed were you with the overall execution offensively in the first two quarters yesterday? Um, it was awesome. You know, to be able to score 28 points in the first half, it's 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 hard to score 28 points alone mm-hmm. uh, in this league, a, a full game. Um, but uh, we were fishing on third downs, you know, four for four in the red zone was huge, you know, getting touchdowns there. And then at the end of the half, you know, we're in about, we had about four minutes and whatever it was, some change left. And mm-hmm. We were playing normal football, and then it kind of turned into a two-minute and just a great operation by everybody on offense, coaches, um, you know, getting that thing down there to have, you know, whatever it was, eight seconds left on the clock, you know, right, right. before half to burn that whole thing down and get that touchdown. You know, Minshew comes in, he completes 83% of his passes, three straight scoring drives when he comes in the second quarter. I mean, what is it about this guy? You know him really, really well, dating back to the Philadelphia days. He never ceases to amaze me in terms of how cool and comfortable he is. And he didn't get any first-team reps last week in practice. Like, how does he do it? Right. You know what? One thing that's really special about Gardner, uh, he's a very fast processor of the of the game. Uh, very fast processor. He sees it really well. He mm-hmm. understands it. He understands the ins and outs. He understands how the defenses are playing. So, he gets the ball out of his hand really quick and just continues to find completions. And I think 
part of playing quarterback is finding those completions and keeping the sticks moving, and uh, that's yeah. what he does a heck of a job of. All right, defense, especially the defensive line. I know the Texans were down several starters along their offensive line, but six sacks, a bunch of pressures. Uh, the takeaway there that set up the second touchdown for the Colts in that first quarter. How disruptive were the the defensive players, especially that defensive line, after you watched the tape again today? Uh, it was impressive. Um, Grove was impressive inside there. He mm-hmm. set the tone on the first play of the game, and then Buck and Quiddy and Dio and Samson and all those guys um, got in on the fun, and it was good to get you know six sacks. Uh, but those guys played hard. They set the tone up front for us. All right, let's take a few uh, fan questions for Shane Steichen before we close out here on this first segment. Again, tweet in your questions every Monday night using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Kurt is up first, Coach. He says, I read where you were really fired up to call that fake reverse or that fake jet sweep when Richardson uh, ran it in. You've been scheming that up for a long time. How long have you been working on that play, and what made that situation the perfect time to call it? Um, and you're grinning over there. Yeah, you're no, excited. I'm, I'm grinning because you know we, we put it in this <laughs> that past week uh, and repped it a few times and just you know working on the details of it, the splits, the alignments, and the ball handling of it, and the motion of it, and uh, you know it worked out. We we caught a good coverage there and man to man there, and mm-hmm. uh, it worked out good. And Pitt had a huge block there on the linebacker and right. and you know you know uh, sliced around for the corner there, and yeah. Anthony had a good fake so. Uh, it was it was fun to see. Yeah, you know, that's you brought up something I wanted to hit on. Pittman's block back into the box, taking out one of those edge players. He's one of your best players on the team. There's no doubt about that. What happens when one of your best players has buy-in like that to do the dirty work on a play like that? It's huge. Um, obviously, you know Pittman kind of does it all for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's our blocker. He's our enforcer. You know, he's our route runner. Um, just being selfless. You know, when your number's called to do certain things. Uh, go make it happen, and that's what he did uh, to set up that touchdown. All right, Joe is asking, Coach, will Kylan Granson see more of a workload considering he scored his first and very excuse me scored his first and very clutch touchdown on Sunday? Yeah, Granson's been doing a heck of a job, uh, all the tight ends, um, but Granson's doing a good job. You know, we look at that stuff week to week uh, with all the tight ends and try to get them all involved, but really like where Granson's at. All right, uh, this is coming from jchap06 on Twitter. He says, the defense seemed to let off the gas a bit in the second half. Was that a result of something different the Texans' offense did or a change in defensive approach in the second half playing with the lead? Oh, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, in this league, um, you know, other teams are going to make plays here and there. And, you know, Houston, credit to them. They made some plays there in the second half. Um, and, you know, obviously we want to clean things up defensively. Um, same thing on offense, right? We only scored three in the in the uh, second half. So right. we got to be better in the second half offensively and just clean, clean the little minor details up. But uh, credit to Houston there, you know, making some right. plays. That's Shane Steigen with us here on Colts Roundtable Live tonight. A handful more fan questions. Again, get them in every Monday night using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Uh, Gary is asking, what have you been most pleased with through two games with your team? I think the effort, you know, um, the effort, the attitude, the energy. I think when you bring that, you know, every single day and you focus on the fundamentals and the details of what we're trying to get done and everyone's on the same page and has a clear vision for what we want it to look like uh, week in and week out, um, I think that's when you have success. All right, last one coming from Chad. He's asking what went into the decision to ride with Zach Moss at running back on Sunday and not try to run the ball by committee at running back? Um, I think Zach just started off hot, you know what I mean? And uh, we just, you know, rode the hot hand there. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Zach coming off that injury to do what he did, um, you know, to average 4.9 yards a carry. He ran hard. He was physical. uh, And so we went with Zach. 
Absolutely. All right, Coach. Again, congratulations on that first victory. Enjoy it. Give yourself a little bit more than three hours next time. I know it's hard. I know you got a lot of self-discipline over there, but enjoy it. Let's get another one coming up this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. I right, appreciate it. Thank you. That's our conversation with head coach Shane Steichen every Monday night here on Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Save at home on monthly bills when you can serve water and energy for money-saving tips Visit citizensenergygroup.com. Colts fans, sack game day cravings with a $10 Colts meal deal, complete with an all-American cheeseburger, four boneless wings, and a half order of tots only at Buffalo Wild Wings, available at select Indianapolis Buffalo Wild Wings locations. Additional terms may apply. All right, when we come back, welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights and get their initial thoughts on the Colts' big win over the Texans. Also coming up, we've got a segment later dialed up that's called That's More Like It, talking about where the Colts improved big time from Game 1 to Game 2. We'll also take your questions tonight. Get them in on X using hashtag Colts Roundtable. And we're coming back with all of that in just a moment. I'm Matt Taylor. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Welcome back, everybody. Colts Roundtable Live continues on. Segment number two, presented as always by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. You can find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, a proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. Again, I'm Matt Taylor. It's time here on segment number two to welcome in the analysts, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, the former Colts, to the show this evening. Fellas, welcome back. Week number two. And, Joe, good to see the Colts playing much better complimentary football over the course of 60 minutes yesterday than they did in week number one, notching their first victory of the season. Joe, how did you take in the game on Sunday? Oh, it was great. I thought we just – just think about it, Matt. We had a double-digit road division victory. I mean, how rare those are in the NFL. And I Mm -hmm. get it. You know, Houston, they're not going to the Super Bowl this year. But we were dominant in that game. And we played complimentary football. And just the way we started, this is a team that – you know, historically, the last six, seven years, we've really struggled down there in Houston to take the fight to them, score. All of a sudden, Ebicom gets the pressure. We punch it out with Dio. We score again. It's 14 nothing by the time those fans down in Houston have sat down with their brisket nachos. It was a <laughs> good feeling to have. And I thought not only did we play well to start out, we sustained early on, even with the quarterback switch. Just a lot of positives and things to build on from, again, double-digit road division win. Those are awful rare in the NFL. And and we should be celebrating today. I don't think I've ever had brisket nachos. Rick, have you ever had brisket nachos? That's a that's a I rare have. delicatessen there. I really haven't, even though I live down on the Gulf Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, that's that's a good launching pad point there. I love it here on Colts Roundtable Live again with Rick and Joe. I'm Matt Taylor. It's time now for the tail of the tape. Rick, we'll start with you. What stood out to you? Certainly a lot more improvement as we said, from uh, week one to week two. Uh, but certainly your tail of the tape as the Colts uh, knock off the Houston Texans on Sunday and even that record up at one and one. Yeah, and I'm with Joe. I mean, you you have to enjoy this. I, I'm very, very happy with this uh, win. I and Joe and I know how hard it is, how much preparation you do. It doesn't matter if you're playing the Chiefs or the Houston Texans. It really doesn't. You commit everything you have to that. You know, a year ago, we couldn't get that win. That's what makes me feel really good. You know, same situation, we couldn't get it. This time, we went out and did what we had to do to get it. 
I agree with Joe. I think we hit them in the mouth right off the bat, set the tempo, and really dominated for three quarters. I thought, and I try to give you the coaching perspective, I thought it was the best coach first half, both sides of the ball, in many and many a game, to be honest with you. I thought that Steichen did a great job, particularly in those first two red zones, of utilizing designer runs that obviously went in semi-untouched. Unfortunately, he got touched on the last one going in, but both quarterback designers were terrific to get us up 14 and nothing. And then I thought, to his credit, and this is why I was really happy when he got the job, I thought he did a great job of what I call changing gears. When he lost Richardson, he immediately flipped to the Minshew game plan. It, you know, all of a sudden now, which is run the ball, quick rhythm, quick RPO pass runs, not run runs, you know, and then quick screens. And all those things utilized exactly what Gardner did. Uh, I think that's really coaching talent to be able to do that and coaching flexibility, and Gardner took it from there. I thought on defense this was more variance in the first half uh, than we've ever seen with Gus Bradley, and they did the two things that you and I talked about going into the game. They definitely stopped Pierce, who was the most significant guy you had to stop, and then that allowed you to bring pressure, which he brought more pressure in the first half than he's ever brought, even six man at times. Mm-hmm. It basically attacked a quarterback who couldn't handle it and be a patchwork offensive line. And, you know, that was obvious with the six sacks. But it stopped. It started by absolutely stopping the run. I don't think there's any question about that. So, you know, I mean, there was a great formula success. I would say if there's anything negative, I thought we played, you know, with a, we had a three, we had a three score lead. So it's understandable. I thought we took our foot off the gas, got a little bit conservative, and <laughs> this is the problem with the NFL. We went from a, a three, we went from a three-score lead to if they make the field goal, it's a one, it's a one-possession game. Right. So mm-hmm. I think you have to be a little careful with that. I still think we have to address fourth quarter. I know that there was some concession yardage, but we still now have been outscored 24 zip in the fourth quarter. So you know, I just think that's important. And I think how Shane handles it's important. You can't win a game now, and there's a tendency to do it in the NFL because you have a whole week between games. You get 24-hour praise, 24-hour abuse, and you can't take a deep breath now. I mean, we're going from the shallow end. We're going back in the deep end next week in Baltimore. Yeah, no doubt. And to dovetail off Rick, a couple things he said. I thought defensively, I really liked what Gus Bradley did early on. Coach, you and I talked about this last show Young quarterback, speed him up. The first two third downs of the game, first one we bring six guys. They have a coverage uh, mishap. They had six guys to block, but nobody blocked EJ Speed sack. Second third down, we bring six guys again, and we force a quick throw that's incomplete. And I really liked what we did speeding up the young quarterback. I think with a little bit of some of the lack of maybe pure pass rush and some younger secondary, continue to be creative in the blitz package, which maybe goes a little bit of what Gus does historically, I think can be advantageous. And then offensively, what I really liked is we had some easy plays. That play to Richardson, we schemed up there where we faked the jet sweep and Grant's mm-hmm. lead block. I mean, Matt Taylor, I know going back to your Ron Colley days, you could have <laughs> ran that in for 15 yards. That's Well, if I dri- got that great block by Granson, I could have. There's no doubt, right? But 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 the the drive before, we had that beautiful tight end screen back to Moali with some great blocking from Kelly mm-hmm. and Nelson on the offensive line. And I just thought you saw some of Shane Steichen's identity really come out in terms of finding creative ways to get mismatches and get some easy yards. And I separated yeah. this game into third. 
thirds. First third, Anthony Richardson thought he played really well. Obviously, he goes out with a concussion, but Minshew comes right in, back-to-back -back touchdown drives. He's 11 of 13 in the first half. It's really nice. The game was over at halftime. And then when we forced him to punt, got the field goal, I know we let a little bit late. And, Coach, I agree with you. That's a little bit of human nature and a little bit of playing a little bit more conservatively and playing the clock. But, I mean, the game was over with five minutes left in the third quarter. We're up 31 to 10. And I just like how our overall attitude, if I could sum it in one thing, we brought the fight to Houston. We came and punched him in the mouth. And I thought Shane really had the guys ready to go from a schematic standpoint, but also mm -hmm. from an emotional standpoint to go down and take the fight to Houston, which you got to do on the road in the NFL. Yeah, great point about the identity of the Colts under Shane Steichen coming out there week number two. Colts fans, remember the weather authorities are Fox 59 and CBS 4, Indiana's largest and weather rate certified most accurate weather, Fox 59 and CBS 4. All right, that's the tale of the tape with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights and their initial reactions after the Colts win in week two over the Houston Texans, again, evening up their record at 1-1 one one on the early season. After this quick timeout, we're going to come back with a segment titled That's More Like It and talk about the areas the Colts improved upon week two compared to week number one. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live tonight on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. From the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. We're back again here on Colts Roundtable Live tonight here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan, presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Colts Roundtable Live is also brought to you tonight by Hot Box Pizza, when the Colts score, you score. Check out your favorite hot box location for 50% off your entire order every Monday night this season with promo code Colts. Joe writes, where is the nearest hot box pizza location to you? I know you got that scattered out. There's one in Westfield, and it delivers uh -huh. to the Wrights house, and it comes often. <laughs> Early and often, including no every doubt. Monday night with that pizza deal. All right, fellas, it's time now for a segment we call that's more like it, looking at the areas the Colts improved in in week one, or I should say in week two, compared to week number one. Let's talk about the running game. After the Colts and their running backs last week uh, accounted for just 25 yards against the Jaguars, they came storming back 126 yards as a team on 23 carries. Anthony Richardson rushed three times for 35 yards before he had to exit with that uh, concussion, but Zach Moss was the only running back to run the ball on Sunday for the Colts. He had 88 yards on 18 carries, also found the end zone, and the Colts running game with Moss, who averaged nearly five yards per carry, uh, looking really, really good in week number two, Mr. Joe writes. That's more like it. What was the difference in the running game this week compared to last week? A, a few things stood out to me. One, the score dictates the game. When you get up 14 nothing. You're deciding when you run the ball. And I like that we did some up-tempo. I thought we had their D-line tired in the first half. And so I like just overall our philosophy on running the ball. I thought we did a good job of spreading them out, getting some lighter boxes. And then credit to the O-line. Game ball to the O-line for sure. I thought we did a better job, Matt, on our combo blocks, meaning we're double-teaming a big defensive lineman going up to the linebacker and still scraping off and getting the linebacker. We didn't mm -hmm. do a great job of that week one. We corrected that. And then I think you saw Zach Moss. First and foremost, he held on to the football. 
two fumbles last week from the running back position. We had zero. And I think you saw Zach Moss, his power. I think his lower body churn, the ability to take a one and two yard gain and press it into four and five, that wears on a defense and that fires up an offensive line when you have a pretty good block play and all of a sudden he's scrapping and clawing and fighting and getting two, three more yards. But really credit to Zach Moss for really having no preseason, not yeah. playing at all. And basically to come in and play every snap, he was solid in pass protection too. Uh, yeah, credit goes to the O-line and credit goes to Zach Moss. Game balls to those guys for sure. How about Zach Moss, Rick? Is he now the bell cow running back? I know it's a short sample size or a small sample size, but you know, at the beginning of the season without Jonathan Taylor, it was going to be running back by committee. Should the running back by committee approach, should that be over after Zach Moss got every touch yesterday? That should be over. <laughs> that should be over. First of all, I, I'm with Joe. I thought, you know, first of all, I do think the Texans really helped us out. They they, they didn't play a bear defense until the last series. It, it looked to me like they didn't watch any film, but that stubbornness and doing only what you do, they gave us that over front every single down, and we just pounded that bubble like I talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good from that standpoint. I give the offensive line a ton of credit. Again, I totally agree with Joe. If you look at our combo blocks and pushing them off the line of scrimmage, you know, we really did bang it out in there. Um, now let's go to Moss. Moss, there's definitely, he's the banger, uh, you know, particularly if we can keep Richardson healthy. Richardson will stretch it to the outside. And what you need is an inside banger, okay? And he is an inside banger. Very, very impressive. And then I would only add one thing to it. Uh, Pittman and Granson are really good space blockers when you get Richardson on the edge. I mean, Pittman absolutely depleted depleted the inside defender on on that naked. And then Granson has been really good leading him down the seam. So, you know, all those things, I think, were big factors in getting so much better. All right, that's more like it with Rick Venturi and Joe Wright. I'm Matt Taylor. This is Colts Roundtable live tonight here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, let's go to red zone. Red zone on both sides of the football. The Jaguars were 3-for-3 in the red zone last week, but the Texans on Sunday – when they were on offense, they were just one for four scoring touchdowns inside the 20-yard line. By the way, the defense finished the game with a lot of impact. And just like we said last week, 16 hurries, nine hits, six sacks. The sack total, by the way, for the Colts was the most since week 15 of the 2022 season at Minnesota. The Colts only allowed 52 rushing yards, the fewest by a Colts opponent since week four. 2021 at Miami but the Colts were four for four Rick on offense after going one for three in the red zone in week number one so the Colts in the red zone on both sides of the ball that's more like it what was better in the red zone in week two compared to week one well I think you know in week in in week two first of all you know I've always said there's four things that you have to be good at and some some, sometimes you can and sometimes you just don't have the skill number one if you have a running quarterback that can run designers in that red zone, it makes all the difference in the world. We saw that with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Number two, you want to be able to have your best runner run our best play that day and just simply execute it. Number three, a 50-50 ball guy on the outside, and then inside reliable guys to run options and different routes. And basically, we, we got three out of four of them Sunday. We didn't need any more, but, you know, number one, we've already chronicled it. You know, the two, the naked, um, you know, the naked and the uh, uh, the quarterback draw were phenomenal. I mean, when I when I saw Richardson taken off there, I had the visions of Hurts against us last year. It was just a carbon copy. 
And I know from a defensive standpoint how difficult that is. And those things are going to happen in the red zone. You're not going to waste your quarterback out on the field. You're going to run them in the red zone, and you're going to run them in the fourth quarter when you need to play. But, I mean, that was just a parting of the ways. Kelly and, and Fries did a real good job on that C block, pull it around. Uh, I liked really that. I thought then when he wasn't in the game, we actually pounded in there, you know, with Moss. And, again, we ran our best runner on our best play that day, which was the zone week uh, against that over front. We just blocked the heck out of it and got it in there. Uh, And then I think the reliable inside receivers, and I think we've just begun to fight. I'm going to get into it with downs. But then we threw the ball to Granson, who's the other very reliable inside guys, and he just really made a play. So, you know, kind of in the end, and it's the same way on defense, it's will over skill down there. I mean, you have to win in that situation. You have to want to win, and you have to run your best players in their best plays and execute. It's not a finesse area. It's an area where you have to absolutely execute. Yeah, I really liked what we did schematically. and We had some great individual performances. Coach mentioned Downs, you know, the, the touchdown that we threw to Granson. The play before was third and seven, but Downs for 11 yards on third down. I mean, Downs is becoming a problem on third down in terms of how hard he is to cover, and you can see that security blanket, which I love, across the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. But to have an 11-yard run in the red zone for a touchdown, and all that was, that was just a great block play. They were a little bit tired, and we just came at them full speed ahead And I really just think schematically with Shane, he can do so many different things, so many variations, different formations. But what I liked about our running attack is we just spread them out. And if we're going to spread them out and they're going to leave a lighter box and not go bare, like Coach said, have a bubble, just run the ball. I've always thought that, you know, I never really understood why coaches put, you know, three tight ends in there and jumbo and clog it up. Hey, spread them out. And that's what the Colts have done forever. And if they give you a light box, just go downhill, no messing around. And I really, really thought that uh, after all of our struggles, I think you really saw Shane's imprints the most in terms of our four successful touchdowns on four successful drives and just the creativity he's going to bring offensively. And keep in mind, it's just week two, right? That playbook is awful thick. And I know we'll continue to evolve with different plays, schemes, formations, and excited to where this offense can go, uh, especially with the production we're getting from a lot of different guys. Yeah, that's more like it. That's what we're doing here on Colts Roundtable Live tonight on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan again, that's Joe Wright. Rick Venturi is on the horn. I'm Matt Taylor. Uh, let's go to situational offense. We talked about the red zone, right? They were four for four. All of those touchdowns, by the way, came in the first half for the Colts. But they didn't turn the football over between Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew. They had great uh, ball protection and great ball placement. The uh, decision-making, especially by Gardner Minshew, was just off the charts. Another 80% completion percentage day for him. But uh, a week after converting just 2 of 12 on third down and 1 for 5 on fourth down in week one, the Colts were 6 for 12 in third down situations. They didn't allow a sack for the first time since week six last year against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know for the most part, Joe, the Colts did a really good job of staying out of third and long. We'll talk about that in just a second. But being much more efficient on third down in week number two, that's more like it. What was the difference in being uh, much more successful on those money downs? Collectively, it was a lot of things, Matt. First off, execution individually, but I think you hit on it in terms of we were good on first and second down, so we weren't facing third and 10, third and 11 all yeah, day. The, when the Colts they had, yeah, just three third downs longer than seven yards for the game, which I think that number 
in uh, week number one, they had half of their third down conversions or half of their third down attempts were eight yards or longer. So big difference there. For sure. And when it's third and four and five and schematically you got Richardson back there, you got to count one to two extra guys on the defensive side of the ball for him taking mm-hmm. off and running with it. And then Minshew does such a good ball, getting the ball out quick. And then third down, I mean, Josh Downs, I mean, he, he is such a tough cover one-on-one and he is so quick, his shiftiness inside the slot. I think he's going to be a guy that for years to come, uh, defensive coordinators, Rick, I'll, I'll toss it up to you. They're going to shudder thinking about how are we going to cover him with Richardson's legs and that threat on third down. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. And, you know, uh, Matt, you hit on it, and I'm like a broken record on that. Uh, the difference in third and four, the difference in third and three and four and third and eight and nine in the National Football League, that is a 75 per swing uh, for whoever has the advantage. And then your your swing down is that five to seven and you're exactly right, and particularly early in the game, our third downs were all in that third and three variety. And then when we got into a couple key third and six and sevens, downs had terrific plays. So I do think, you know, again, I've always said third down is the most talked about down in pro football, but first down is the most important down because it sets the table. Uh, when you're in those third and three to fours, you can run very difficult stuff. You get in a bunch route. We rub for Pittman one time. He's wide open. You run the mesh routes. You you run the crosses underneath and the rubs. But right off the bat, we hit Granson on a rub coming across. You know, and all those things that are really, really the stacks. They're really difficult to sort out and to stop. But I think the biggest plus coming out of this thing, and not to be redundant, I was redundant on the air, but is Downs. Downs is a money guy. When that ball is third and five to seven in that swing down, unless they double him, he is going to be wide open. There was even another time, the only time that Minshew struggled a little bit was the one time he double clutched because I don't think he realized that he would come out of the break that quick and he was wide open for a third and eight that we didn't convert. Um, so I'm really optimistic about that. And I'm going to mention another guy. One of the, you know, I'm really optimistic on three guys that were, you know, we just didn't know that much about. You know, obviously, number one is Moss coming back. Number, you know, and in in 1A is Downs. And then the guy I don't think you want to forget about, man, I'm telling you, this guy can run the option. He can run the stuff, and he catches everything is Mallory. I, don't, I think he's kind of a forgotten guy. He had a big play Sunday. But the, the, the third and the sixth catch that he made was terrific in there. So, I mean, I think we're really, really on the right track. And then our offensive line, to me, it's just so much better schematically and technically the way we're playing. And we're playing angry again. And I thought they did a really good job of stunts. There was a couple, there was a blitz on the left side with a twist, and Nelson just jagged, you know. I mean, really, particularly for Minshew, I mean, that thing was really pretty clean the whole way. So it really wasn't surprising. All those factors that you need to be good on third down were there. No doubt. All right, that's more like it with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. Look at the improvements the Colts made in week one to week two. Colts Roundtable Live is brought to you by McDonald's. When the Colts score, so do you. Buy one Big Mac and get another one free when the Colts score a field goal. That did indeed happen yesterday with Matt Gay connecting on his first field goal attempt uh, of the season that's available only in the McDonald's app. Also, the Colts Audio Network is there for you anytime. It includes podcasts, radio shows, player interviews, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you download your podcasts. You can also listen on the SiriusXM mobile app. 
Listen to exclusive radio and audio content on the Colts on demand and stay up to date on this team on your schedule. All right, time for a quick timeout here on Colts Roundtable Live. When we come back, we're taking your, uh, I guess we're calling it X questions now, Twitter questions, whatever. The mailbag segment's coming up next. Get in your questions tonight using hashtag Colts Roundtable, and we'll take the best ones when we come back right after this. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live back in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For more Colts breakdown, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. We're back again on Colts Roundtable Live. Thanks for sticking around. We are presented every Monday night by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. And once again, we're brought to you by McDonald's. Field goals, they equal deal goals. Buy one Big Mac, get another free when the Colts make a field goal during any game this season only in the app. The Colts made one field goal on Sunday in their win over the Houston Texans. The Colts are now 1-1. One and one. They knocked off Houston 31-21 in week number two. It's time now for the mailbag. Tweet in your questions using hashtag Colts Roundtable, and we're ready for them. Rick Venturi's along. Joe Wrights. I'm Matt Taylor. Uh, let's go to number one right out of the uh, right out of the shoot here, Joe. Really good question. I think it was the first one submitted. Obviously, with the news that's going on at quarterback, James is asking Joe, "Are you worried about how we're using Anthony Richardson?" In the long run, two games, and he's had to leave both games after taking shots outside the pocket. What are your thoughts on Anthony Richardson's usage in the run game long term? Yeah, I think it's a natural question, one a lot of Colts fans are probably thinking through today. Two games, he's had to leave both games. Obviously, the concussion we'll see as he kind of goes through the protocol this week and what that means for Sunday. But I think for Richardson, it's a combination of two things. It's one, how many times do you have him on designed runs? And Coach mentioned it. You're saving those for the red zone, fourth and one. And then really the second one is on you know the QB in terms of when can you get down? When is it smart to slide and know that it's okay if it's third and seven and you're scrambling to slide and you come up short and it's fourth and three and you got to punt the ball? That's an okay play in the NFL. And then I think the other one is just the speed and the physicality of NFL defenses. Obviously, when he was at Florida and you know he's bigger than most guys he's running against and and he's bigger than a lot of guys who run against the NFL but just the physicality of the hits that you're facing on Sunday compared to Saturday afternoon I think that's probably been a little bit of an adjustment for him he didn't play a lot in the preseason and obviously in practice and all the joint practices you're not taking the shots so I think he'll get used to that as the season progresses these next you know three four games but obviously you don't want to see him continue to take hit after hit because it's just a numbers game and you're obviously playing the long game with our franchise quarterback. All right, again, Joe Wright's right there. Rick Venturi's up next, tweeting your questions, as always, on Monday nights here on Colts Roundtable Live using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Uh, we had two really good questions on the secondary, Rick, so let's combine both of them here. The first one is from Larry. What are the early returns on Daryl Baker Jr. at cornerback? It seemed like the Texans were – Picking on him at times late in the game on Sunday. And then also Cameron is saying, I feel good after the win, but I don't like the fact that another team's top receiver went over 100 yards against our secondary. How worried are you that we can't take another team's top option away, Rick, in the secondary? Well, I I really empathize with the questions because they're really hard. And I'm one of those guys, you win a game, and uh, it's not all roses. I mean, if you're going to go forward, we're going to go back in the deep end. 
you really do have to self-criticize and you have to analyze where you're at and what adjustments you do have to make. And it's very obvious to me that people have more confidence they have, or less confidence that they can work on flowers than they can Baker. Really, in these first two games, a lot of that offense is directed at Baker. And, you know, I think there's two things there. I think, first of all, we isolate him all day long, and it's going to bite us. It's just going to bite us against good teams. Um, you know, we saw it somewhat against Ridley. Uh, Collins had a really good game. And, you know, I, I do think that you have to do some things uh, to compensate or, you know, you just can't be stubborn mm-hmm. and play single high. Now, I thought Gus in the first half in the first half actually did a couple things. He played some cover two, not a lot, but he did. He had a sprinkling in there of cover two, which closes the corners. And then he had he played a couple and, and some of it was in the red zone, but he played a cover eight, which is quarter quarter half of which they really matched underneath and i you know i think all of a sudden that can change it plus the blitz helps the corners i've always thought that the rush you know that the corners and the rush were related and sometimes it's more important but when you have the six-man blitz and you can get a guy there right away that ball has to come out but i think we are going to have to help him i think he's going to struggle if we leave him on an island i don't believe he is a guy that can hold up on the island and what you do is you you direct some coverages sometimes we'll say cover eight is quarter quarter half and what you say is you the call would be something like over eight to the field or over eight to the left and just give him some help at times you know some double coverage help um or we would say you know you know just there's different ways to direct the coverage but i think you you have to tell the offense on the other side that he isn't one-on-one all day because I think if we do that, the better teams that we play are going to take enough advantage of that. I mean, even though there was garbage yard at the end, we still gave up a high percentage and over 300 yards passing. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, this team got three field goals a week ago. Let's Let's tell it like it is, I mean, from that standpoint, with no offensive line. Now, I am totally in agreement with the question about, you know, taking away a good wide receiver. I mean, if you don't have that ability, uh, and again, you know, I learned that over the years, you never want to get beat by a guy who going into the game you know can beat you. To me, that is a cardinal sin of defensive coordinators. No, and we do it over and over and over again. Now, in this game, I'm not that critical because the two important elements to win it this week was really number one was stopping the run and number two was rushing the quarterback. And we did both of them. We held Pierce to 2.1 and we got six sacks. So the fact that Collins had a big day it wasn't as critical in this one, mm-hmm. but it can be. You can't let Flowers, well, I think they've lost Beckham, but you can't let those two guys beat you knowing going into the game that they can and there's a lot of things you can do. You can roll. You can call coverage rolls to guys every once in a while. You can call a one double to people. You know, like we would have said, one double Collins and stuff like that. I just think you have to have that variation when you get in the deep end. 
All right, that's a look at the Colts mailbag, a part of Colts Roundtable Live tonight. Appreciate everybody that submitted their questions. As always, send them in using hashtag Colts Roundtable every Monday night here in the regular season. When we come back, we'll close out the show. We'll take a look at week three and the 2-0 Baltimore Ravens. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live, closing it out in just a second here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Welcome back, everybody, for the final time on Colts Roundtable Live, presented tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. This message is also brought to you by Meyer, the official super center of the Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. All right, it's time now for the closing arguments from Rick Venturi and Joe Wright's to close out the show tonight, the Colts are one and one. Wasn't perfect, Joe, but you never apologize for the win. What did you come away most encouraged by with the Colts in Houston as they try to build upon that going into, as Rick said, a much stiffer test in week three on the road in Baltimore? I just think it was our attitude, Matt. We were ready to play physically, mentally, emotionally. We were the more physical team across both lines. And keep in mind, this is a Houston team that lost. They're coming back to their home opener, all kinds of excitement. And we just came flat in and punched them in the mouth. And by the time Houston woke up in the mid-third quarter, we were ahead 31-10. to 10. So I just really give a credit to the players for getting themselves ready and this coaching staff for coming down. And then secondly, really – Shane Steichen and his Rolodex offensively. That's just got me excited to see schematically what we draw up week into week out and how that gives defensive coordinators problems. And then obviously we got a big test, though. Baltimore on the road is a different animal. And, Coach, I'm sure you have uh, dissected them a bunch on film already. So what can we expect uh, next Sunday at 1 o'clock? No, you're right, Joe. They may not be a great team yet, but they're a really good team. I mean, you know, on an offense, you've got a former MVP in Lamar Jackson, premier tight end Andrews, who came back. And I don't think they'll have Beckham. I think he hurt his ankle. But they have four number ones, and they have a just emerging rookie superstar in, in Zay Flowers. And then on defense, this is a whole different game, Joe. This is a multiple. They'll give us bear. They'll give us pressure. They'll give us all kinds of match coverages. Uh, Mike McDonald does a really good job there. They were top five a year ago in like five different categories, and he is a disciple of Wink Martindale. So the challenge will be totally different going into, uh, into Baltimore. Indeed. All right, that's all the time we've got tonight. Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights, fantastic as always. My thanks again to head coach Shane Steichen, who joined in on the first segment tonight. If you missed any of that interview at the top or any of this show, it's available right now. Check it out on Colts.com. The Colts mobile app has it and the Colts audio network. That's anywhere you download your podcast. we got to run. We're up against it. Thanks for listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We'll do it again next Monday night, recapping Colts and Ravens in week number three, starting at 6 o'clock a week from tonight. ESPN Radio is coming up next here in the home of the Colts, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.